I'm Nick Hennigan, this is Literally London on Resonance 104.4 FM. Now you may remember me talking to Torrin Douglas, who's the director, get that term right, the director of the Chiswick Book Festival, uh, which has already happened. But I'm at an event with authors and writers, and as you know on Literary London, we love writers and authors. And this is an unusual, so would you like to introduce yourself? Um, I'm Carrie Reichard. And your book's... Tell us about your book, it's quite remarkable. Well, it's really both mine and Bob's, and Bob did all the writing and actually really put it together. But it's a book called Cash is King, and it has over 100 defaced banknotes in it. But it also has a collection of writings, a lot of by Bob, but it's got like the art critic from the New European in it. It's got uh, artists talking about their work. So there's an essay about in how birds are becoming extinct by a local street artist called ATM. There's Nick Reynolds, whose father is the great train robber, talking about why he's burnt his banknote with his father's face on it. So, I mean, it really is a, a, a real a range that we hope everyone will like but most importantly it's all very subversive because yeah. as everybody knows we're actually breaking the law yes you were saying actually because you sorry no no let Bob yeah. tell you Saatchi offered us a book launch and they sent a press release out saying that 100 artists are breaking the law we're defacing notes which is illegal under 1928 banknote tax so British Museum have taken a copy for their permanent collection we're expecting a cease and desist order from the uh, Bank of England because we are actually breaching copyright walls too but we've virtually sold out the book so i am obviously colluding with criminals we are. and yet i don't feel too bad about it so. there are lots of criminals in the book there's anonymous street artists who won't give their real names there's the son of the mastermind behind the great train robbery various other people as well from uh, dissidents from ukraine porn pornographic artists from uh, america so it's a, it's a naughty book all around but such you love it and the public love it and it's an interesting it looks a lovely book it's kind of you know very beautifully presented what's what was the the genesis of it what was the idea of it well, we'd been defacing banknotes ourselves and we were going to make a book of ours and then we thought, well, no, because Bob in particular has been, been um, running an Instagram account where people who do deface banknotes from all over the world have been kind of contacting him. And so we really tried to choose a diverse range. There's like artists from U Ukraine and from um, all over the world, isn't there? Yeah, Australia, France, America. Yeah. And so, and so the idea so it started online, did it? No, no, no. It started as one of our projects. We, we've been defacing um, playing cards, you know, making prints. It started as a small, small project, and it just mushroomed on social media. You know, it shows the power of Instagram. Is that suddenly we're swamped with banknotes that people send in from all over the world. Then we had to make a selection. Saatchi got interested. British Museum got interested. So we decided to push the boat out, publish a really beautiful book. I set up my own publishing company because it is illegal. And I didn't want my printers to, you know, get nicked. So we've we've done that. And we also think it's a really good idea because lots of them people in here are our friends, and so we love the idea that artists can take old banknotes or current banknotes deface them, turn them into a piece of art and then sell them. And so we have our own form of currency, especially when you think they're trying yeah. to get us all to now have everything on plastic and trying to take away. And, and, and the money that they produce now is so horrible, that plastic, horrible money. You know, no one likes it. We're all very attached to banknotes. You know, it means a lot to us. And so I think we really like the idea that we were trying to encourage artists to find a means of making their own money quickly and uh, cash is king. Yeah, and because as, a, as a work of art, you've also, it's a limited edition, isn't it, you were saying? Yes, it's uh, only got a thousand, and it's all uh, so beautiful with the gold embossed and signed, stamped, numbered. It's, it's going to be sold out by the time the Saatchi closes. 
on the 23rd of September and after that any remaining copies which will be about 100 are going to be further defaced by all the artists involved in the book and those will be a kind of exclusive limited edition that will sell for you know premium prices. It's quite interesting, isn't it, Cash, at the moment? We did a show about Ken Campbell, you know, the theatre performance yeah, artist. And, yeah. And, uh, and KLF, you know, Burning Man yes. Million. Yes. Million well, pounds. yeah, I mean, Carrie knows uh, KLF, and, and uh, Kenneth Campbell's daughter is involved with Burning Money, and, and they've contacted me to see if I can promote their project because they can't make any money. And they've seen our book, and they want me to get involved with, you know, trying to help them market there. I think they're, they're quite eccentric, but it looks a very interesting thing that they're doing. There's a synergy. Daisy's a, Daisy's, yeah, yeah. She's, she's brilliant. In fact, I interviewed her last week. You can hear it on President oh, well, We'd love to. <laughs> we'd love to. Because yeah. we're going to meet up with them soon at their show in October, I think. Yeah, it it's a brilliant show. She does a brilliant tribute to her father. Oh, yeah. and so how much is it? And... That's a dirty question. Isn't it? How much is it? It's actually only 15 quid because we wanted to make it really accessible to all the people that we wanted to have a really beautiful fine art book. And if, and if anyone wants to know any more, obviously, go. you know, the criminal classes. Have you got a kind of a criminal class website? Or well, Bob <laughs> does because his yeah. is www.rebelnottaken.com and mine is www.carryreichardt.com. Rebelnottaken.com. Yes. There's a long story behind that going back to my ancestors, but um, they click on the website, go on to the Cash is King book, PayPal, it's delivered next day. Brilliant. Or they can bring cash around to me. Yeah, further cash. No questions yeah, asked. No, I, know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time. And good luck with it. Good luck with it. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, I've moved around the room a little bit and I've managed to grab hold of Zoe. How do I say that? Antoniades. Thank you for helping me out with that. <laughs> and you, so just tell us what, what you're uh, uh, here to talk about, your books, because you've got so, not just yeah, one, but I quite a series thought, of them. Um, a series of four books, um, Invincible Voices. I work collaboratively with young people um, running through creative writing workshops. We write stories together. Um, I help them come up with ideas, but children's ideas are often brilliant, but a bit unstructured. <laughs> so I then help to structure them, shape them, and develop them into more publishable pieces and then we put them together and um, publish them through Matador. So I've got three, uh, four, four collections, short shorts, medium shorts, long shorts and we've just got a kind of wintry Christmas special winter shorts which is just released this month um, with lots of fun short stories that have something to do with snow, ice, Christmas and lots of jokes if we can, because kids love humour. <laughs> and what, what age children are these aimed at? They particularly appeal to sort of six to ten year olds, but because um, some of our writers are as old as 14, uh, they're quite a good model for children's own writing. Because they're written by children um, along with me, they're, you know, they're, they're of the same sort of, there's something for children to aspire to in their own writing. So. Yeah, like I said, a good model for them. But yeah, the the main, I, I visit um, primary schools a lot, and my stories appeal right throughout primary school age, really. But six to ten, particularly, I'd say. Oh, we should have been around when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so what a brilliant idea! But so where did the idea come from? Was it because um, you wanted to write, or, or always, what the genesis of it? So I've always um, wanted to be an author, and I've always wrote as a child. Um, but I have been a primary school teacher and it's 
it's natural for a primary school teacher to do collaborative writing with children that we teach them to write and you know so I've been writing together with them there are other um, organizations out there that write together with children I don't know if you heard of the Ministry of Stories up in Hoxton um, so it's I, I can't steal the idea. <laughs> Grown-ups writing together with children, I think, is um, a great idea because then the child doesn't feel alone with the blank page. Um, and, it, yeah, I mean, it, it is slightly different to a child's own story that they might write at school or on their own. Um, but it is, it's, it's not just my own at the same time. You can tell there's the child's spirit and ideas in there, but with the polish and flair of a more experienced writer. So. And what's your process? Do you think, right, I'm going to do another book. Let's grab some kids. <laughs> I um, run creative writing workshops on a weekly basis um, in the local area in West London. Uh, so children come to me regularly through clubs and um, we sit and do shared writing. So I'm the scribe, if you like. Sometimes we plan our story out of nowhere. Uh, it would be an empty room and just the children's brains. And I might say, should we start with a genre today? Do you want to write a crime story or a fairy tale or, a, I don't know, an adventure? Um, or we might start with a setting or say, where should we have our story today in space, in a forest, at the castle? Or and we might start with a character, so who, who'd you fancy writing about today? You know, they'll always say James Bond. <laughs> and I'll say, how about we, we have a spy and he's like James Bond, but he needs to be your own spy. So we start like that and then I use the story mountain, um, the story mountain with its five simple plot steps introduce a character and setting, build up, establish a story goal. Um, there's a problem that gets in the way of that goal being achieved. We resolve the problem. And then the final step, we conclude the story um, with them reaching their goal, feeling something, maybe learning something. So it's five steps that we call the story mountain. It's, again, not my own idea. It's often called the Aristotelian arc. So created by an ancient Greek. Aristotle, the old Aristotelian, he say Aristotle, but easier than Aristotle. Yeah, yeah, it's from him, so uh, another ancient Greek like yeah. me. So, um, yeah, so we, we use that to plot out our story, but keeping it simple because planning is a little bit dull for children. They want to get going with the ideas. Get sort of stuck in yeah. on it. Yeah. So, um, but a structure is important because I've marked a lot of children's stories and um, they can run away on a lot of different story mountains <laughs> and end up in the clouds. So it's my job to keep it channeled and organised. And, and do you write in, under your own steam as it were without yeah. children? So these four books have been a great, um, I've been writing for years, these four are the first that I've properly had published. So they've got me on the ladder if you like. But I have got um, two other children's books that I've written that are currently in the drawer waiting to be developed. A ghost story and an adventure story for, again, sort of eight to 12 year olds with a bit of magical realism. And I've also written a memoir set around Chiswick and Twickenham and West London because I'm from around here. Um, called, well, it's a working title, Tea and Paclavas. It's about a dysfunctional Greek family in the... Uh, 1980s with plenty of plate smashing but for all the wrong reasons and uh, that's actually the piece of work I'm most proud of and it's something I'm keen to develop and get out there at some point um, 
it has won a memoir prize at Winchester Writers Festival. Um, so it's it's getting noticed for being a, you know an exciting piece of writing. But I just need that agent to pick it up and um, take it forward with me because um, self-publishing is a great platform for getting you out there. Um, but ultimately, I, I want to go down the old-fashioned route and have an agent support me so that um, I can get on with the business of writing rather than all the kind of marketing and editing and, you know, all, you know proofreading. And <laughs> it's, you know, I, I want to do the writing part. I like, I like promoting, you know, and talking about the books and visiting schools and all of those, that side of it. But... You know, the, when you get into the self-publishing route, that kind of takes up a lot of your time away from the business of writing itself. So I'm really proud of these books. I'm really excited about them. But next book is definitely my own. <laughs> yeah, we talk a lot about self-publishing on, on Literary London as well and the, yeah. the, the, the sort of the pros and cons Massive of it. Massive place for it. Um, I've done four already <laughs> through Matador Press, which is an imprint of Troubadours. They're, they're really um, leading the way in self-publishing. There's a lot of exciting indie publishers out there as well. A friend of mine is with Bombshell Books doing really well. Um, so I, I agree um, it's, it is an excellent platform, but I don't know. My heart is still in that um, old-fashioned route of speaking to agents. So there's a couple of agents I'm talking to at the moment, and I really hope that I can work a bit more with them in the future. It is that thing about a co being collaborative in writing, because writing does tend to be a very isolating business, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's isolating on at the beginning, but I love this part, getting out there with the book, um, I'm not shy. <laughs> I like performing with a book. I like doing talks. So I'll be at the Tabard Theatre at the festival this Saturday. I'm really looking forward to that. I take the books into school. So as well as running creative writing workshops, I do author talks to just inspire children to write themselves and um, inspire them to become authors if they'd like to. Um, talk to them about the publishing world and how books are made if you like they will say how do you make a book <laughs> so um, I love all that side of it I love meeting fellow authors and other people in the industry you know it's what it's all about that's where the the isolation barrier breaks yeah, you know the good part yeah <laughs> and so if anyone wants to find out any more about you what, what's where should we go so I've got a website zoeantoniades.com www.zoeantoniades.com that's pretty much if you google Zoe Antoniades it I will come up because being a Greek girl I should be Zoe Antoniades but I uh, got a, uh, I've got the man's version of the surname so it's a bit rare to be a Zoe Antoniades so if you if you know how to spell it <laughs> I was going to say yeah search for winter shorts if you yeah we search for winter shorts um, Zoe Antoniades it's Antonia with D E S on the end um, Googling is an easy way to find me or the website. I'm very happy to, you know, people can email me, contact me through my website. There's a contact page on there. Um, yep, and you'll find me stomping around Chiswick, Twickenham, Isleworth, <laughs> <laughs> shouting about invincible voices. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you very much for your time. Good luck with the book. And uh, yeah, okay, and I hope then we'll have to talk again when your next one comes out. Yeah, I would love to chat again. It's been great chatting to you. Thank you. Thanks.
I'm Nick Hennigan, this is Residence 104.4 FM, and I'm lurking, lurking at an author's party for the, uh, the Chiswick uh, Book Festival. Now, we talked to the criminals earlier. We've spoken about children's uh, writing as well. And now I'm kind of in the espionage corner of things. So sure. would, you like, would you like to introduce yourselves and your book? Yes, my name is Rose Sandy and I'm a thriller author, especially specialising in espionage. And my book is called The Decryptor. It's actually a series. And I've written four of them now and I'm on my fifth. Wow. Yes. And what's this one called? Is that, so it's, it's called The yes. Decryptor, The Storm's yeah. Eye. So it's all about the beast from the east and the heat waves we're having and perhaps are they controlled by somebody or are they not? And are your governments involved or are they not? And it's all about a character who is very gifted in decrypting technology, history. She works for the British Museum. And she finds herself in a secret organization that is trying to stop criminals who use technology to their advantage. So ah. that's what the series really follows. And what, what was the inspiration for that? Where did that come from? Well, my father worked in the uh, foreign service, so I was very close to a lot of things, espionage and uh, that sort of world, especially during the Cold War. So I used to hear a lot of... And I, sort of got a fascination for it really and the other thing is I was I always wanted to write about strong female characters because they're not enough out there I mean most espionage books you sort of have the man rescuing the woman or the woman is a sidekick or she's you know typical bond girl and I think we need to portray women in a little differently and they have brains and sometimes they rescue the men so that was where I was going with that one Brilliant. And to actually get a series, Dad, that's a fair achievement and a it bit of sweat. It is, it <laughs> is, and it's hard work. It is hard work. I think you've got to love it. I don't think you can just wake up one day because it's not easy. Writing a book is never easy when you have to fill about 300 to 400 pages. That makes sense and that readers can follow. But I think why series work is, you know, characters, well, readers attach themselves to characters and once they've attached themselves to a character they want to know that story it's about story arc it's about following the characters you love and that's why i chose to write in series yeah. it must be quite difficult so there's a different situation or a different story with the same yes, character in each book exactly so like the first book is very much around a manuscript that is an ancient 2000 years old but it lands in a sort of a government facility and they know it's connected to something that has a future impact and then nobody can decipher it so it's all about where did the manuscript come from and all of that but it's also about the character's journey because it actually links to her past she's an orphan she doesn't know who her parents are but at the end we find out she's connected to it so that's book one and then the second one is all about hacking and and sort of, can you find technology that controls mind reading and all of that? So it's around a prisoner in a, one of the prisons in Wandsworth and so forth. So it is all, there was always a technology gone bad. It, that's the way, um, with an espionage aspect to it. So is technology really good for us or not? Or in the wrong hands, can we, you know, what can it do to the world? So that's where I live and focus. Ah, <laughs> so you're good at the technology? I love technology. I worked for Cisco Systems for a long time and then I also worked for Sony Technology and Sony Corporation. So I was in there when they were doing all the robots and I've been to the Technology Museum in Tokyo and so many other places. So I love technology. 
I really do. Yeah, probably, and if you can't tell me anymore, you'd have to kill me or something. <laughs> like exactly. and, so, and so have you got, have you got another book ready? Is there, uh, did I you do. plan? So, no, I didn't actually plan them. I wanted to write one book about a strong female character. But when every time I got to the end of the series, there was a story unfinished because it's a character journey and it's a character arc she had to complete. So, yeah, I mean, so there you go. And I thought, you know, and then readers connected to her. I mean, the books have been downloaded and, you know, uh, I've got a hundred thousand copies out there in somebody's hands. And so that encouraged me because as readers were, they wanted more of the character and I kept going. I suppose in a sense it's always the television thing of the series, the drama series. That It's yeah. the world we live in. And people want short, fast, get to the story, page turners. My books are very much commuter readers, you know, commu offer commuter readers. It's people who want a quick escapism on a commute. It's for uh, mostly city people, but it can be for anybody, but people who enjoy technology and the question of whether it's always good for us, but at the same time who enjoy that espionage aspect of what governments are doing and what governments are not telling us and what secret organizations are there are. There's a lot of the NSA in there, there's a lot of MI6 in there, and I find that fascinating. And I actually troll those websites to find out a <laughs> lot of things. They're probably watching us now. They're watching us now, they know everything about you. Yeah. Apparently but, 1984 by George Orwell has become a bestseller in America since the politics changed a couple of years. Oh, but I, can't there you go. You know, exactly. I can't think why that would have happened. <laughs> exactly, but also, you know, people, the way they consume, um, books today is the same way they consume Netflix or series and I think that's where you know publishing is going as well but especially fiction especially fiction you have to you know uh, it's you have to cater to how people are reading today so, you know some readers today would find it much harder to read a Jane Austen or uh, Dickens because the language is different language has changed at also time, You're com we're competing with people watching Netflix and spy thrillers or going to the movies, but that's okay. Mm. So we find what they like and we write for them. And, and did you self-publish as well? I Yes, I set up an independent company initially, and that's all before I joined HarperCollins. And I also published for HarperCollins, yes. So I did. You've, done, you've done the, the double-trick pony. I've done right? the double-trick. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy it. I mean, HarperCollins is my day job, so I publish other authors. I um, encourage other authors. I mentor other authors. And, you know, but my day job is all about business and it's all about you know the financial publishing it's all about supply chain it's all about warehousing but I think it has helped me in my journey as well you know I, I, I've learned a lot and I still learn a lot just two days ago I was at a booksellers conference and got on the train today to do this but I love it yeah yeah I did there's a lot of jealous people listening to this now oh. <laughs> oh well good luck with it tell us the name of the book again it's called The Decryptor that's the series and there's four books but the one I spoke about today is The Storm's Eye and where can we find out more you about it you can about me at rosesandy.com <laughs> rosesandy.com as it sounds the flower and the beach rosesandy.com <laughs> brilliant well thank you well, thank you very although much. that got too far because we've got another if you'd like to introduce yourself yes hi there I'm Aisha Mackay and my debut novel is Killing It which is about a female assassin returning from maternity leave and having to juggle her latest high stakes mission with rushing home for bath time so again another strong female uh, lead wanting to just show how they can 
we can more than keep up with the big boys. I know your description earlier was very funny as well. Oh. Buy it because I might be an assassin. <laughs> and wh- where did the notion of that come from? Where did that? Wh- uh, well, what was I'm, the spark behind her? Uh, I've got four kids, uh, so I'm permanently sleep deprived and not quite with it. And one night I was crawling out uh, the, kids, the kids' room, trying not to wake the baby. The kind of that terrifying, you know, on your hands and knees, trying to get out, making not a single noise. And it just passed through my mind that imagine if I had some kind of special. <coughs> special ops training I might actually make it out of here without them waking and it just sparked an idea and I thought yeah imagining that kind of a spy mum like someone who kind of has this crazy day job doing all kinds of dangerous things but still getting home in time to put the kid to bed and you know that's that's where it came from really. And uh, so was that um, something that you wanted to do? I mean, was it the spy bit or the mum bit that really got to you? <laughs> uh, I'm a mum and a wannabe spy, so that's uh, I just combined the two and made my kind of perfect, uh, perfect character. That was. And uh, what, I mean, it's a question for both of you. What makes you write? So what, what made you decide you wanted to write? Uh, that it was just it was honestly it was I always loved writing at school, but I never really pursued it. Um, and it was just one of those things where when I came up with this idea and this character, and I started writing her, it was so much fun. I just kept going with it, and I had no idea if it was going to end up anywhere. Uh, as a, most of us, you know, we have no idea when you start if it's ever going to see the light of day, or anyone other than your friends and family are going to read it. Um, and yeah, so without even really trying, I kind of managed to natch up quite a load of words and gave it a go and that's when I applied for the Richard and Judy search for a bestseller uh, and much to my amazement I was the runner-up and that's how I got my my two book deal from that so fantastic and what's your process so you obviously write when the kids are asleep yes, or not. yes. Uh, are you longhand are, have you got a program I, yeah I, I, I jot down um, well because I was uh, on maternity leave with my third when I started writing so a lot of it was just jotting down notes on my iPhone when I was feeding and then uh, and I still do that now whenever I have an idea I jot it down but otherwise I'm just at my laptop um, t- uh, desperately trying to make it work <laughs> any particular programs uh, no, just, just just me and write, um, Microsoft Word that's yes. it it's very simple. I use Scrivener yes. and I do a lot of dictation because I'm also working full time so and I write on my commute to work it's very um, yeah I think it works really well and I do use my phone I do use um, I think it's called Jotapad on my phone I'll make notes, I'll get the first draft out. But I use Dragon Dictation. I live by it religiously just because it's become 99, almost 99% accurate. Dictation was always, you know, had, you know, love-hate relationship with it, but it actually works and it gets the first draft out. It's, and that's because I physically don't have a lot of time in front of the computer for my own writing. And yeah, so that, that's how I do. But I do, in my holidays, I actually plot and I really like to to plan out. So I do plan the books, and when I do get the 20 minutes here and the 20 minutes there, I know what I'm writing. Yeah. yeah. And what about, do you plan your books? I mean, I know some people just create the characters and then, and then wait and yeah. see where they go. That's, I, I just started writing as the character, and actually the first ever page I wrote as the character is still the beginning of my book, so it kind of stood the test of time. Uh, but no, I don't really have a process. It's more just because crossing over spy and mum life, it's quite spe- specific events, so I more think of a, an event where they could cross over in an amusing way and then try and make that fit into the plot, and if it works, that's how I... That's how I roll with it. And it's, 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 it's comedy. Comedy is quite yeah, strong. Yes, it is. It's a, it's a comic thriller. That's what, um, yeah. So, yeah, you're encouraged to laugh, but also uh, you're, 
had to race through it, unable to put it down. So that was yeah. the idea. And strong women, it's quite important at the moment, isn't it? I mean, without going on about too much, sort of the Me Too movement. And um, it's, it's, I think it's perhaps important that these, these, these characters are presented. It's about, it's about time, really. I don't yeah. understand why. I, I think it's so important for representation and visibility to have uh, books and films where you see women doing anything that men can do and showing, you know, the next generation that we are the same and we should be given the same respect and the same rights and the same everything. Gemma um, yeah. Arterton's got a few things to say. The actor Gemma Arterton, yes, you know, she was yeah. wrong and she wouldn't do that again, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Might have helped her career. But, and so, is there another book? Where, where are you? Yes, with your, uh, there is a sequel, um, which I've just handed in. I'm nervously waiting for my edit notes. So, um, yeah, that's it. The adventures continue. <laughs> And if anyone wants to know any more, what's the book called again? Killing It by Killing. Asian Mackay. Yeah. Um, so. And where can we find out more? Well, anyway, Amazon, WH Smith, Waterstone, so yeah. So just, just, uh, just type it in. Like yeah, Killing It, Asian Mackay, it'll come up. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Your glasses are empty. Yeah. I better sort that out. Thank you very much. Thank you.